Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. Do 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 do. <laughs> I'm your host, Casper. And I am your other remote hostess, Becky Gremlin. With the mostest. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays, as always, are for podcast guys. And we got a brand new episode tonight. Aliens. Aliens. And not the movies, because I've had multiple people ask me if it was the movies. And I'm like, we will get to the movies, but right now we're talking about real aliens. Yes, the movies will come in time during a month when we will pick a movie season. But right now we are talking about real extraterrestrial life out there in space in the vast cosmos uh that's what that's you know the 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 real deal shit not the hollywood shit that's what we're talking about tonight yeah not the little green men not not paul (laughs) hi (laughs) i'm paul which was my mom's favorite movie of all time before she died i i promised myself it is on my bucket list that if i ever meet seth rogan that's exactly what I'm going to tell him. Like, my mom, before she died, loved Paul. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just need, I just, for some reason, need Seth Rogen to know that. The so. things that matter. The things that... It fucking, it fucking matters. It fucking matters. So, like, I have to be honest. When I was younger, you know, being raised the way I was raised, I always laughed at people who believed in aliens. I always thought that... People were stupid to believe in such a thing, that something like that wasn't real, and... I got older and had a mind of my own and 100% a believer now. I totally believe in aliens. I take back everything I ever said about any of those people when I was younger. Well, I think a lot of it uh, and what you were able to admit to yourself later that you've spoken about openly here and that you and I have had discussions about is that a lot of that came from being closed-minded and that's the argument and discussion I've had with many people, whether it happens to be from a religious background or not, especially when it comes to something like aliens, is that, uh, you know, I give them this argument with, if you can agree that there are different planets in this solar system and the solar system belongs to a galaxy that's full of other solar system that have other planets on them that is so vast we can't even imagine, isn't it just a tad bit closed-minded to believe that we're it? Like, this little planet right here in this vast galaxy in the universe, like, this is it. This was, this was, and even if you, okay, let's take it from a Christian standpoint, you really think that's God's plan? That this was it? (laughs) I mean, come on. That's it. That's kind of lame. It's kind of lame, God. I don't know. It's kind of lame. Just Earth. It's a little lame got to come up with something better than that well even my parents like even now my parents have told me that they think that we're not the only planet with life my parents said that and i was like so you believe in aliens and they're like no i believe in life like not just on this planet but not necessarily aliens and i'm like anything that's not on this planet is an alien it doesn't have to be a little green man it doesn't have to be those things with giant ass eyes. I'm like, it could be a little microbe. Is if it's life and it's living somewhere other than Earth, it is an alien. Yeah, that's why I like that we're going to be taking the deep dive that we're taking tonight and going over a lot of different information, not only of actual evidence of, you know, microbes being found on other planets. That's evidence of extraterrestrial life forms, alien life forms, if you will. But we're also going to go into um, 
you know, abductions, different things like that. Uh, you know, another big argument I have is um, crop circles, man. Like, there's so much evidence out there to prove that not only alien, like, beings that we could communicate with, but also, you know, micro, you know, organisms that you can see on, you can see under microscopes that actually exist out there. So like, there's just a plethora of evidence that just really, you really at this point and where we're at in 2020, you just can't argue with anymore. So <laughs> you really can't, <laughs> you just, you just cannot argue with it anymore. So, um, yeah, we're kind of going to go on all sides of it. We're, we're going to talk about experiences that Casper and I have both had with possibly witnessing a unidentified flying object, if you will. Um, it was definitely, I don't know what it was, but it was definitely a UFO. Same, <laughs> I'll tell you same that. Here, same here. Broad daylight. I don't know. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but I know what the fuck I saw. That's it. It wasn't a fucking plane. So, whoops. It was not a bird or a plane, and it wasn't fucking Superman. So. Superman isn't real? What? No. Oh, I can't oh. go on. I can't go on with this podcast. Oh. I need to I need to go cry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just kidding. I could give a shit about Superman. No. But I cared when I was a kid when it was Christopher Reeve and then he was in that accident and he was in a wheelchair and I was like, Christopher I was like, Superman's in a wheelchair? The fuck? Like that fucked me up. <laughs> so like this has absolutely nothing to do with nothing, but it made me think about Captain Marvel. Um Right. Talking just just talking about superheroes. Superman can make you think of Captain Marvel. I so um my roommate was watching this show on Netflix called Community, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And um I just happened to walk in on an episode she was watching and this guy Great walked past show, this girl that was sitting in a um coat room and she looks up and I went what the fuck is Brie Larson doing on this show? Like, I was just so shocked to see Brie Larson's face. I was not expecting that. Whoa, for reals on an episode of Community? I I have not seen many. I watched half of the first season uh, when I found out Chevy Chase was on it. Um, and uh, Joel McHale, who I was a big fan of. Uh, Donald Glover was also on it. Uh, A.K.A. Childish Gambino for all the youngsters out there. Uh, right. So, He's Donald yeah, Glover to me. Fucking <laughs> right, same. Uh, I love him. I love his music, though, for real. But yeah, he's always going to be Donald Glover. But I fucking love Community. Is a funny show. Uh, Joel McHale. It's it's funny just to watch it for him because he's hilarious. But that's that's amazing that Brie Larson. It's almost like when my dad has to tell me every time he sees somebody he recognizes when he watches Law and Order. I'm like, Dad, I get it. Fucking everybody who's anybody has at least been on one episode of some incarnation of Law and Order, whether it be the original, SVU, Criminal Intent, one of those. <laughs> well, Somebody it was, got their It was weird, too, because, like, her character's name is Coke or Coke Girl or something like that. And she, they, that's what her credit is. Hilarious. And I was like, that's motherfucking Brie Larson. What the hell is happening? And then all of a sudden, uh, Emily from Criminal Minds pops up, and she's... I mean, one of the main, one of the more main characters. And I was like, how many people do I know are in this show? <laughs> like, what, what is happening? This is literally before Brie Larson was Brie Larson. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was before anyone knew before, who Brie Larson was. Before she even knew who Brie Larson would come to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's hilarious. 
But anyway, I just, I, you were talking about Superman, and I was like, I looked up at my Captain Marvel poster, and I was like, Brie Larson. Oh, yeah. So, funny story. Superman's a good segue into Captain Marvel. I totally get that. Better than Superman, anyway. Him. Of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, no, I totally agree. Um, so, if I'll go ahead and start off. Um, I'm going to start off with the Wikipedia page on extraterrestrial life. Um so basically, the the term extraterrestrial life uh, is defined as uh, hypothetical uh, life, which would occur outside of Earth um, that would not originate from Earth. So, of course, from another planet. Uh, such life might range from central prokaryotes, so these would be like comparable life forms, to beings with civilizations uh, with far more advanced technologies than humanity. The Drake Equation speculates about the existence of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe. The science of extraterrestrial life in all its forms is known as astrobiology. Um, and in case people don't know what the Drake Equation is, I'll just give a quick run through. It was Super sorry for the train. <laughs> I know. Super I sorry know. for the woo, the woos. <laughs> the woos. The woos. Sorry about the woos. Hopefully, I don't have a dog barking at any point. Um, Good lord, that train! Can but everyone knows you're coming? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> the Drake Equation was written by a man in 1961 by the name of Frank Drake, um, and it's basically a uh, an argument uh, for the purposes of quantifying a number of civilizations that uses an estimate of the active number of communicative extraterrestrial civilizations in the no in the Milky Way galaxy. So that's just in the galaxy that our solar system, Earth's solar system, exists in, um, which is huge. Uh, so we see. Since the mid 20th century, active ongoing research has taken place to look for signs of extraterrestrial life. This encompasses a search for current and historic extraterrestrial life and a narrower search for extraterrestrial intelligent life. Depending on the category of search, methods range from the analysis of telescope and specimen data to radios used to detect and send communication signals. The concept of extraterrestrial life, and particularly extraterrestrial intelligence, has had a major cultural impact, chiefly in works of science fiction, um, which we're definitely going to get into later. Uh, over the years, science fiction has introduced a number of theoretical ideas, such as uh, having a wide range of possibilities. Many have piqued public interest in possibilities of extraterrestrial life, when in particular concern is the wisdom of attempting communication with extraterrestrial intelligence. Some encourage aggressive methods to make contact with uh, intelligent extraterrestrial life. I don't. Uh, I argue <laughs> to do so may give way to the location of Earth, making us um, a target for possible invasion in the future. Can, can we just talk about how that what that sentence says? Some encourage aggressive methods to so make contact. There's a bunch of Zach Bagans out there. There's a bunch of like Zach Bagans for aliens out there. Whether like yeah, you need to, you need to provoke, <laughs> provoke the aliens. I would rather um, not. I'm. What was that movie? What was that movie I saw where somebody did that? There was a video. Oh, it was actually a story I listened to. Where this, I don't know if it was true or not. Highly doubt it was, but um, this lady found, or this guy found a 
a, a key to a telescope. When he turned the key on the telescope, I'm giving you the very short version of it. When he turned the key in the telescope and looked through it, he saw an alien. Like, it, it worked so well that he saw an alien and the alien looked directly at him. And, long story short, his brother or his uncle knew about it and he was like, they're coming for you, I have to hide you remotely. So it was like 10 to 12 years later because it took that long for them to get to Earth. Um, they came for him. Like, when you said that, that's just what it made me think of when it said, um, other argued that may give away the location of Earth. That's what it made me think of. Well, I'm pretty sure that story's not true. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Especially if you heard the ending of it, because the ending of it is insane, and I was like, you had me until that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we would have known if somebody would have turned a key on a telescope and looked eye to eye at a fucking alien. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, we already well know that they know where we are. Uh, there's been evidence well over thousands of years, even going farther back than that, uh, that have been written, seen in artwork, that um, we've had contact with uh, ex intelligent extraterrestrial life uh, going way, 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 way back in Earth's history from uh, Egypt uh, to um, Teotihuacan and uh, ancient uh, Aztec uh, structures in Mexico uh, and the lower Central America and Central America. It's just, yeah, we've seen, there's so much evidence that we've made contact with aliens, whether personally or in some way that they've uh, shown in um, structures or uh, like I mentioned before, crop circles that have been happening for hundreds of, you know, that, that are still happening, that, that have given no explanation other than in, uh, intelligent um, extraterrestrial life. Uh, so it goes into saying just kind of in general, uh, as alien life and described as microorganisms um, had been hypothesized to exist in the solar system and throughout the universe. This hypothesis relies on the vast size and consistent physical laws of the observable universe. According to this argument made by scientists such as Carl Sagan and Stephen Hawking, uh, as well as uh, notable personalities like Winston Churchill, that it would be improbable for life to not exist somewhere other than Earth. This argument uh, is embodied in the Copernican principle, which states that Earth does not occupy a unique position in the universe. And the mediocrity principle, which states that the uh, there's nothing special about uh, life on Earth. Ooh, burn. Um, the chemistry of life. I mean, how wrong is it, though? <laughs> right, that's what I was saying. Like, if we're it, come on. Um, the chemistry of life may have begun shortly after the Big Bang, uh, which would have been 13.8 billion years ago, during a habitable... Uh, epic when the universe was only about 10 to 17 million years old. Life may have emerged independently at many places throughout the universe. Alternatively, life may have formed less frequently than spread by meteor meteoroids, example, uh, between habitable planets in a process called 
panspermia. Now, I know that sounds terrible, but basically what it's saying, (laughs) I mean, if you think about the way that life as babies are formed, uh, you know, sperm, a bunch of them travel into an egg. So the theory is that did you just give would have spread. I'm sorry. There's a sex ed class going on right now. Yeah, I'm I'm not going there. You don't know where babies come from. We're not going there. Um, no, 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 no. I find it funny. I'm just sitting over here like, oh, okay, tell me more. <laughs> like people don't know. Anyway, so basically that theory is saying that uh, during the Big Bang, meteoroids that would have contained microorganisms would have uh, landed on other habitable planets, and then those microorganisms would have birthed, quote unquote, into uh life basically so uh you know life will find a way whether you want it to or not but hey jeff um, goldblum calm down it it is <laughs> so in any case uh complex organic organic molecules would have formed in protoplanetary disks or dust grains surrounding the sun before the formation of earth according to these studies this process may occur outside of earth on several planets and moons of the solar system and on planets and other stars now i did also want to say um you know, I can't even believe I would have to say this, especially if you're listening to this podcast, but uh, this has nothing to do with your religious beliefs or whatever. If you're a creationist, if you're one of these people that don't believe in the Big Bang, if you don't believe in, you know, I'm not, I'm not making that argument with anybody out there that's listening to this. If you can believe whatever you want to believe in, I'm just reading the science and the facts. So I hate that I even have to put that disclaimer out there, but you know, if you want to believe the Earth is only two thousand years old, whatever, believe in whatever you want to believe in. But um, it's six, I <laughs> or maybe eight. I don't remember. Right. <laughs> exactly. Pick a number out of the air. Um, since the nineteen fifties, astronomers have proposed that habitable zones around stars are most likely places for life to exist. Numerous discoveries of such zones since two thousand and seven have generated numerical, uh, numerical rather, estimates of many billions of planets with Earth-like compositions. Um, so anything that would be considered Earth-like would ob- obviously have to have, uh, you know, like oxygen to breathe and things like that. Um, as of 2013, only a few planets have been discovered in these zones. Nonetheless, on four stars and, uh, or I'm sorry, nonetheless, on November 2013, astronomers reported based on Kepler space mission data that there would have been as many as 40 billion Earth-sized planets orbiting the habitable zones of sun-like stars and red dwarfs in the Milky Way galaxy. That's insane. To actually, That's like a lot, dude. <laughs> think about Forty billion Earth-sized, as big as Earth is, for there to be that many uh, in and around habitable zones around stars in the Milky Way galaxy is huge. Like that's that's ridiculous to even think. So even if, oh my God, even if half of those had intelligent extraterrestrial life i mean that's that's not even i can't even that's literally mind-blowing yeah like, my mind can't even, can't even so i can't even like i can't i can't even think of that <laughs> exactly like that right there is just like oh my god so i'm saying so even if 20 billion of these planets had extraterrestrial life that we could communicate with like that's 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 literally you can't even put it into words. Like, you ever go to a planetarium and walk out, you're just kind of like, I'm confused and intrigued and scared and... <laughs> oh my 
my god yeah i've been the planeteer i used to go when i was a kid and then i saw when uh the omnimax theater was open here at the uh natural history museum in cincinnati um it's a big imax theater where they show a lot of videos educational videos they did one of footage that had come back from the Hubble Space Telescope of the Milky Way, and that was so insane to watch portions of how huge this galaxy is. And you can't even think that far out. Like, just even to see Earth from space or other planets from space, but then to, to think even farther than that, like farther than than where Pluto would be from us, like way farther than that. It, it, it's just like unspeakable. You can't even think that far out. And it's like so many years away. It's like thousands of years to get there. Like that's, yeah, it says the nearest such so planet crazy. would be 12. Yeah, it says here the nearest such planet would be 12 light years away. So that's what I'm saying, like, if they would be able to have, so clearly there's been space technology that they've been able to harness to be able to travel those light years in some aspect to have contact with us here. So they've obviously been able to harness that technology. Maybe They're smart motherfuckers. If yeah. you believe Area 51 exists, we may, we may, we may have uh, made contact and, and have evidence of that technology ourselves, so... Um, why are we not? Why are we not funding this? <laughs> oh, somebody, somebody is. <laughs> a study published in 2017 suggests that due to how complex, complex uh, evolved species are on Earth, the level of predictability for alien evolution elsewhere would make them look similar to life on our planet. One of the study's uh, authors, Sam Levin, noted that like humans, we predict that they are made up of a hierarchy of entities which all uh, cooperate to produce an alien. At each level of the organism, there will be mechanisms in place to eliminate conflict, maintain cooperation, and keep the organism functioning. We can even offer some examples of what these uh, mechanisms will be. There is also research in assessing the capacity of life developing uh, for, for developing intelligence. It has been suggested that this capacity arises with the number of potential niches a planet would contain, and that the complexity of life itself is reflected in the information density of a planetary environment which in turn can be computed from its niches or niches, I should say. Um, so, niches, I guess I should. Uh, so, yeah, that would, I think that would make total sense, especially given, like I mentioned, um, alien life forms that have made contact here. They would have to be similar, um, you know, workers, a leader. Uh, homes, establishments, different things like that that would be similar to what we have here. Languages, you know what I'm saying? Like, may not all be exactly the same, but very similar in the way that they would run, the way that they would structure an environment like we would on, on Earth. Well, it's it's kind of different, too, if you think about it. Even, even people on Earth, like, Americans live different than British people. England or, or British people live different than Europeans. Europeans are different than Australians. Like everybody on earth, even though we look the same, we are very culturally different. So it's like, they could even look like us. They just could have obviously very different way of life. 
Right. But what I, what I meant by saying all the basics are the same would even be the basics of what we have here. Like earth has a language, each country has a different language, but we have some basis of communication on this planet, which would mean that other intelligent life forms would have some type of basis, basis of communication on their planet. Uh, we, we have, um, uh, some structure of, uh, leaders, you know, obviously each country is led in different ways. We have democracies, you have dictatorships, you have, uh, communist governments. So even though they're all different, each one is structured to where there's a leader in place and then there's people that follow. So some type of hierarchy system would be established, say on another planet with intelligent life like us. So even though structurally on each continent and country, we are different, our basis is all very much the same. And the way that we live, work, have families, communicate, have leaders, have structure, have rules and things like that in place. Each of us as a, as a unit here on earth all have that in common. So other intelligent life forms would have the exact same thing in common as us, which is based on what this author had predicted, that that would mean that they would be closely related to us in, in those ways. Um, do you think so, we yeah, could interview one of them? It's very much the same. Do you think but, we, do you think we could land an interview with one of them? That would be pretty dope. <laughs> as long as we could find some way to communicate, uh, we could we could get out. We could find some way. We could get an alien interpreter. Um, Is that even a thing? Go, <laughs> what? Probably. <laughs> um, I'm not going to jump into every single planet in the solar system because that gives like a really big detail of how uh, each one is structured as far as their atmosphere and uh, what would give. Uh, scientific research of life forms on those planets, but um, I am going to get into the biochemical basis and planetary habitability just real briefly before I move on to this next article about extraterrestrial life. Um, it said that life on Earth requires water as a solvent in which biochemical reactions take place. Sufficient quantities of carbon and other elements along with water might enable the formation of living organisms on terrestrial planets with a chemical makeup and temperature range similar to that of Earth. Life based on ammonia has been suggested as an alternative, though the solvent appears less suitable than water. It is also conceivable that there are forms of life whose solvent is liquid, or sorry, is a liquid hydrocarbon such as methane, ethane, or propane. Um, there's about 29 chemical elements that play active roles in living organisms on Earth. 95% of living matter is built upon six of these elements, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, phosphorus, and sulfur. These six elements form the basic building blocks of virtually all life on Earth, whereas most of the remaining elements are found only in trace amounts. The unique characteristics of carbon make it unlikely that it could be replaced even on another planet to generate the biochemistry necessary for life. The carbon atom has the unique ability to make four strong chemical bonds with other atoms, including other carbon atoms. The covalent bonds have a direction in space so that carbon atoms can form the skeletons of complex three-dimensional structures, which with definite architectures such as uh, nucleic acids and proteins. Carbon forms with compounds like other elements combined with great versatility of the carbon atom and its abundance in the visible universe. 
It makes this element most likely to provide the basis, even exotic ones, for chemical composition of other life on other planets. Uh, so I have seen, so there, there has been evidence that even from the moon and what's been deemed like space rocks, or uh, like I mentioned before about meteorites, um, that have had, like they mentioned in that uh, paragraph about exotic ones, that they're still at their base, a form of carbon. So that gives rise to noting that even if extraterrestrial life is different, at least the base matter is going to be exactly the way it is on Earth. So it's basically saying that you have to have base elements, at least one, if not six of them in total, to have life. Like that's just, I, I think that's just been, you know, just kind of universally regarded amongst uh, any scientist when it comes to. Uh, I apologize for the beeping. My mother is calling. <laughs> Again! Like, I can't... I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Um, Go, continue. No, you're good. Uh, so, actually, instead of going into that Wikipedia article, um, I'm going to go right into this other article from uh, ESA.int. Uh, it's from United Space in Europe. It's a science and space exploration website that had an article about extraterrestrial life. So this will actually go into extraterrestrial life on other planets and the study of uh, exobiology, which is extraterrestrial life known as uh, astrobiology. Um, it said here, let me see, some of some... Sorry, I'm getting here. This stupid article. It looks like it jumps around. Okay, here we go. It says, given the size of our universe, uh, which, like we mentioned, was at least 100 billion stars in the home galaxy alone, and perhaps 100 billion galaxies of the same size scattered throughout deep space, few scientists believe that Earth is the only home for life. But until quite recently, um, the field of exobiology, as I mentioned, uh, was also... Um, Oh, I have no idea what that word says. Uh, it said it could come up with some interesting speculations. Um, and then it goes into when the uh, robot rover was sent to Mars. Uh, actually, the original one in 1976, it was called the Viking Lander. Um, they had looked for biological activity in soil on Mars, but uh, it had yielded discouraging results. Um, so it said more recently that uh, deep beneath dry ocean beds near volcanic vents, um, that there were microbes found in temperatures above 110 degrees. So we do know that Mars and Earth's, uh, again, like with those six basic elements that we were mentioned, that they're... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their environments, rather, and their atmospheres are extremely, extremely similar. That there have actually been volcanic beds, river beds, ocean beds, so many things found on Mars. Um, in 1998, it was found uh, fossilized ancient Martian bacteria in a meteorite that was blasted off the planet's surface. Um, so that right there, that was uh, very early evidence in the early 90s of... Uh, bacteria that was found from Mars. 
so right there, that would be considered extraterrestrial life because it came from another planet. So uh, I like the fact that those articles really went deep, especially the Wikipedia one, into giving the basis of these elements that we know of so commonly here that anybody would have learned about in basic science class, carbon, uh, nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen. But as long as you have those basic things and they make up any other planet like ours, uh, there's, there's no doubt that there's going to be some type of extra extraterrestrial life. Oh my goodness. The wind just created a tunnel and shut my door. <laughs> oh, was that what that was? <laughs> oh, oh. Shit. Do you know what that sounded like from here? That's... I thought the fucking laptop closed, like the laptop blew <laughs> shut, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that just scared me so bad. I'm fine. That <laughs> uh, fucked with me too. I thought it, well, I bet it fucked with you, the damn door, especially talking about aliens, but I thought the computer was fucked. I was like, oh great. <laughs> oh no, the computer's fine. Um, computer is fine. I even had something to say, and now I'm like, <laughs> I can't keep, let me recover from that. <laughs> um,. Nope, I don't remember what I was going to say. It's gone. It's all good. It happens. I'm sorry. I had to take a drink. Um, well, if you wanted to go into... Um, this is totally awesome. Because I think this would be a perfect segue to get into uh, evidence of uh, aliens. Yes. So. <sighs> aliens. You can't see my hands right now, but I'm doing that thing. Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, of course... You've seen the picture. Of course, there are many, many, many different things that have come across as evidence of aliens. Um, even more than just people saying, you, you have... I almost said UTOs. <laughs> UTIs. UFOs. Um, and stuff like that. You know, like, you you know, Area 51. I'm, everyone's heard of Area 51. We don't really know what's going on in Area 51. Um... But anyway, so I actually came across some articles that kind of threw out evidence as far as uh, some stone cold, quote unquote, stone cold evidence that we can use. As well, real quick, um, I did want to make a comment about Area 51. So the original belief was that in 1947, in March of 1947, when the Roswell UFO crash happened in Roswell, New Mexico, um, so it's believed that there was an alien crash in Roswell, New Mexico, and that there were three uh, extraterrestrial life forms that had died as a result of this crash. Um, and that the alien life forms um, and part of the spacecraft were taken to Area 51 in nearby um, uh, Nevada, which is right next to New Mexico. Uh, and that uh, the remainder of the spaceship was taken to a hangar at Wright-Patterson Wright Air Force Base, which is north of Cincinnati, where we are, um, in Dayton, Ohio. So um, the uh, Area 51 area in itself was just uh, pretty much a hangar too in an Air Force Base near uh, Groom Lake, um, which was an area that is just basically in the middle of the desert that they were actually using to test um, uh, uh, airplanes and different... Uh, spy crafts that were for the military and um 
it was just the most secure location that they could think of to take the alien craft, which was printed in the newspaper the day that the crash happened. It was a UFO, and then the very next day, the newspaper was retracted to say that it was a weather balloon. Clearly, it wasn't a weather balloon, especially from the artifacts that they found. The metals, the alloys were totally different than anything that we had ever seen here, especially in 1947 at that time. So it was thought that uh, the part of the crash was taken to Area 51 for it to be stored. Now, any technology that was used to or anything that was harnessed from the technology of that spacecraft and any remaining spacecrafts that it so if it's believed from what other people have said including a very well-known man by the name of bob lazar and anybody that knows anything about aliens knows that name very well according to him that there was an area very close to area 51 where they actually had um and even up until recently as recent as the 90s had people working on reverse engineering this alien spacecraft technology, not just from the spacecraft in 1947, but other recovered spacecrafts that the government and that the military was well known to be in storage of in Area 51 and an area right next to Area 51 that they had scientists working on under non-disclosure agreements um, to reverse engineer to use on spy planes for our military uh, and, and, and our uh, spacecrafts here. So um, Bob Lazar, he's got a, there's an amazing Netflix documentary. He was interviewed by uh, Joe Rogan, which never happens. Bob Lazar does not give interviews. This man has, this man has been through hell when he finally came out and went against the government agreements that he signed and proved that there not only is a element that has been found that is not on our periodic, that actually is on the periodic table, but is not found on Earth, that our uh, government has been using to reverse engineer, that this has happened. He has himself worked on alien spacecrafts, and they have completely tried to ruin this man's life, discredit him, say he didn't go to college, say he didn't work, didn't have the credentials for the places that he did, which is all completely true. Um, he he doesn't want any fame. He hates talking about it. Joe Rogan was very few people, including the guy that did the documentary on Netflix about him that Bob Lazar was even willing to talk to recently, because he's really just trying to get on with his life, because the government just ran him through the ringer after he came out and talked about this. But um, so uh, there is a lot of evidence as to what's gone on in Area 51, but more so into what has gone on around the surrounding areas of Area 51, where there are vast amounts of these underground uh, networks of companies that scientists and different engineers work for that are working on not only the crash from 1947, but even more recent alien crashes that our government is very well aware of, that they have been housing and storing, that they have been using to reverse engineer. Um, so there has been a lot of credible evidence of what's going on in Area 51 and surrounding those areas. I urge so many people to search Bob Lazaro on Netflix and watch that documentary, and then uh, before or after that, uh, find his Joe Rogan episode on YouTube and watch it. It's very compelling. The man has taken countless amount of lie detector tests for years. He's passed every single one. His story has not changed in, in almost 30 years. Uh, yeah, the guy is the real deal. Like, there, I, I firmly believe in everything he said. 
and and what's gone on in Area 51 and surrounding areas, that right there is enough to tell you that uh, alien life forms exist and that our government is very well aware and has the technology and is housing technology and storing the technology. And uh, there's also been... Um, Sorry about that. Blow my nose. Okay. <laughs> no, you're totally fine. But no, thank you for letting me mention that thing about Bob Lazar. And then uh, what else I was going to leave off on, um, Casper, you're actually going to go ahead and get into when it talks about um, our, our government uh, mentioning classified information about aliens. So I'll let, I'll let you get into that part of the uh, evidence. Um, okay. So according to polls, this, this article is from... Um, Alternative Daily, it is written by Scott O'Reilly, and it is five recent signs that we are not alone. And the first reason is that government officials hint at classified info about aliens. So according to polls, 80 million, 80 million Americans... <laughs> that was alien language right there. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, it was. Um, 80 million Americans, which is about one-third of the population, believe in the existence of aliens. Recently, a flurry of former high-level government officials have come forward with tantalizing comments. They indicate that major governments know more about the extraterrestrials than they are willing to acknowledge, which I kind of think we all kind of knew. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, for example, recently John Podesta, former chief of staff for President Bill Clinton and advisor to President Barack Obama, added his name to a list of A-level government figures who have made comments that have hinted that there is classified info about aliens being withheld from the public. In an interview with CNN, for instance, Podesta indicated that the time had come for the government to release any evidence it has about the existence of alien forms of life in outer space. Sorry. Podesta fell short of confirming that aliens exist or that the U.S. government has evidence it won't reveal publicly, but his carefully crafted comments seem to suggest that he knew more he, than he was letting on. As point blank, if he himself had seen proof that alien life existed, he responded evasively by saying that is for the public judge, for the public to judge once they've seen all the evidence that the U.S. government has, which means, yes. Podesta is hardly the only credible government figure to come forward. In 2005, Paul Hellyer, Canada's former defense minister, became the first prominent ex-official to openly accuse the major world governments of deliberately withholding information that would confirm the existence of extraterrestrial life. Recently speaking at the University of Calgary, Hellyer insisted aliens have been visiting our planet for thousands of years, but he lamented that much of the media won't touch the documents and that governments won't come clean until the public demands the information about UFOs that is being kept hidden. I mean, we are, we we kind of demand it, but they don't have to do shit. <laughs> well, I mean, the only thing that's, you know, I'm glad I just, I'm glad that just made me think about something. Uh, when I thought about what you just read um, and what I had mentioned in 1947 uh, about the Roswell crash. So uh, Project Blue Book, this is a very well-known systematic study that was done in 1952 when it started. It lasted until 1970. This was uh, systematic studies of UFOs conducted by our United States Air Force. This was called Project Blue Book. So it was done only to determine that if UFOs were a threat to national security, but also to scientifically analyze 
UFO-related data. So I think it's really interesting that John Podesta, you know, says something just, you know, as cavalier as, you know, well, that's for the public to judge uh, to see if we've had evidence. Well, no, we've the government had the government had evidence for 20 years, had damn near 20 years of evidence uh, on uh, UFOs. So from from the United States Air Force, like on on it said over 12,000 reconnaissance missions. It's like, come on, like there there. Yeah, it, it was just most recently turned into a TV series on uh, it aired on. Um, uh, it was by NBC. I think it actually aired on the History Channel, if I'm if I'm correct. Yeah, it did. It aired on the History Channel recently. It was called Project Blue Book. Uh, I, I I wish I would have watched it. I, I've heard of it. I've heard mention of it, again, from Joe Rogan. But yeah, no, our, our government has been very well aware. Pro- Project Blue Book, right there, for almost 20 years. How much money went into that, you know? <laughs> like, come on. A lot. Yeah, right. Um, so Hellyer insists that extraterrestrials have actually helped humans develop technologies such as the microchip, LED lights, and the Kevlar vest. Which I can believe that. I can Still believe I can definitely microchips. believe stuff like microchips, absolutely. So, number two, evidence of microscopic life may have been found on Mars. Is it possible that NASA scientists discovered life on Mars in 2007? Recently, news reports have surfaced that researchers examining Martian rover data, the unmanned space probe sending photos and atmospheric samples back to Earth, may have found evidence of microscopic life on the Red Planet. Apparently, the Spirit rover, which landed in the Gusev crater near the Martian equator, photographed finger-like rock formations called... Stromatolites? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which are formed when microbial colonies are trapped in moist... I hate that fucking word. I can't believe I just said that. I haven't said that word in... getting around it either. (laughs) Sediment. In damp sediment. In addition to 2014, another of NASA's rovers recorded evidence of methane gas. In fact, over 90% of the methane gas found on Earth is produced by living organisms, leading to the possibility that some life forms may still exist on Mars. According to the astrophysicist Dan Brown of Nottingham Trent University, finding... Probably, I think that's supposed to be life. Life, Finding life on Mars or even the past presence of life has been a driving goal and infamous challenge for missions to Mars. Unfortunately, the Spirit rover, which discovered the distinctive silica patterns that have so intrigued scientists, was decommissioned after it got stuck in the Martian soil. It will be 2020 at the earliest (laughs) before the next (laughs) rover probe is launched to do a follow-up mission, which probably probably won't happen now. Because corona coronavirus to Mars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine it becomes an oh, it becomes Jesus a uh, universal universal galactic <laughs> epidemic? Oh, These aliens come down mean. and they're like, "What the fuck is this coronavirus? This is like, stupid." We're definitely getting rid of your planet now. Like we are definitely getting rid of your planet, you fuckers. <laughs> but you know that's interesting that they mentioned that ninety percent of methane gas. Is that's found on Earth is produced by living organisms. A lot of methane gas is actually found underwater, um, and a lot of uh, 
you know, from from different uh, gas uh, underwater gases within our Earth, like deep within the Earth systems, like underwater volcanic activity. So there's a lot of like deep sediments of methane that come uh, from the ocean floor. So it's interesting, like I mentioned before in that article about there being a lot of like river and they look like dry riverbed, dry ocean beds all throughout Mars. So it's it's very well likely that you would find um, a lot of sediment there that would have evidence of methane. That's like that totally makes sense because they're like I said, their atmosphere is really, really closely related to ours. Um, so number three, this one freaks me out a little bit. Uh, deeply mysterious signals are coming from space. This makes me think of that movie Contact. Yeah. <laughs> straight up. Every time I hear about shit like this, straight up makes me think about Contact. Also, I have an ad right here that says peanut butter is the number one food that triggers cancer cells. <laughs> so, um, peanut butter apparently triggers cancer cells. So we're all gonna die from something. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep shit. eating peanut butter, so if that's how I go, that's Same. how I go. <laughs> so, um, SETI is a nonprofit scientific institute that is dedicated to discovering the origins of the universe and searching for evidence of extraterrestrial civilizations. In particular, the organization uses a network of radio telescopes to try and detect signals that may indicate the existence of intelligent life somewhere deep in outer space. In 2007, a researcher named Duncan Lorimer from West Virginia University was analyzing data from the Parks Observatory in Australia when he uncovered what seemed to be an unusual signal. They have been described as shrieks from the black abyss of the universe, unlike anything ever found before, and they're deeply mysterious, and I really don't like the way that's described. <laughs> shrieks. That's shrieks from the black abyss. Like, um, I don't really need that. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I don't need your black abyss, sir. I don't need your shrieks from the black abyss. Um, initially, other scientists did not know what to make of the findings. However, similar bursts have since been detected by the Arecibo facility in Puerto uh, Rico. Yeah, I would go with that. <laughs> Researchers have dubbed enough. these signals fast radio bursts of FRBs for short. No one quite knows what to make of them. They remain unidentified unidentified and unexplained but of tantalizing interest. Number four, extraterrestrial life may have hitched a meteor to Earth, which makes perfect sense. Dr. Hasselein is a neuroscientist who also served as the U.S. Associate Director of National Intelligence in 2006. He's been asked by programs like 60 Minutes to speak on the record about UFOs speak on... Um, Sorry. Speak on the record about UFOs in Area 51, where ET enthusiasts believe the government is hiding evidence of alien existence. Hasseltine has declined to divulge any information that would violate his national security obligations. I'm just letting you guys know that these people are literally under a contract where they can, they will know. Like, it doesn't matter what you say, if your phone is off... They will know when you say something. Mm-hmm. And they will kill you. Probably. Or put you in prison. One of the two. But it's, like, dead serious. Like, when it says violate national security obligations, like, you could die. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are ways that I know this, and I'm not going to say how, but I, I just know. And it's terrifying, because if the government is willing to kill you over something that you just said then clearly 
they know more than they're letting on and don't want to cause probably a panic, but they don't need to be killing people. Anyway, moving on. So, however, he's made it clear that the evidence he can talk about publicly strongly points in the direction that alien life has reached the Earth. Hasseltine's comments focus on primitive forms of life, microbes, extremophiles, <laughs> and even insects that may have hitched a ride to... to find that word. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Uh, that may have hitched a ride to Earth via a meteor. That's hilarious. They just hitched a ride. To begin with, Hasseltine notes that scientists in the National Institute for Aging now believe that DNA itself is older than the existence of the Earth. That suggests that the human journey may have not begun on Earth, but somewhere else in the galaxy. In addition, Hasseltine mentions several other intriguing findings, most notably a rock found in Antarctica that is believed to have originated from Mars. Sometimes... Some scientists believe the, artif the artifact, which cosmologists speculate may have been ejected from the red planet millions of years ago following an asteroid hit, contains fossil evidence of ancient single-celled organisms. Excuse me. At present, the scientific community is uncertain about the significance of the findings. However, other researchers have found evidence to suggest that microbes, spores, and even hardy insects could survive interplanetary Inter interplanetary travel via meteors. Microbes from outer space may not be quite as exciting as Martians, but the confirmation of any extraterrestrial life forms will be profound. And last but not least, Kepler telescopes may have discovered an alien megastructure. Doing some mega cities? NASA's Kepler... <laughs> like, hell no, no. Let's go party with the aliens! NASA's Kepler Space Telescope is designed to detect Earth-like planets orbiting stars. Recently, it discovered a strange anomaly orbiting a sun designated KIC 84628.52. Astronomers are not quite sure, but something is causing the starlight from KIC 84628.52 to dip and then burst. Researchers have ruled out a variety of possible natural phenomena, leading some scientists to speculate that the most possible explanation is an alien megastructure, possibly designed to harness solar power orbiting the star. Well. I know, I was going to say, well, damn. <laughs> <It's>, well, <laughs> well, well damn. Very environmentally friendly. They're using solar power. Um, so on another article that I wanted to read, because it's different evidence of alien existence, and this one actually comes from the History Channel, because the History Channel is awesome. Um, so one of the things that they first bring up is an actual painting. Um, so it's easy to write off much recent phenomena, quoting anything from wayward weather balloons to the perpetuation of the legend of the UFO sightings and pop culture, providing a cohesive image of extraterrestrials for eyewitnesses to draw. But what's slightly hard to dismiss is the evidence, is the ancient evidence. Enter the Madonna with St. Giov Giovannio. I can't pronounce that. Otherwise known as the UFO painting. And there is actually a picture of this it's G. I think it's pronounced uh, Giovannino, um, and I've actually seen this painting too because this is a really great article. This is from an, a great episode of Ancient Aliens that I've seen. Um, that's uh, yeah, it's basically a UFO. You can pull up the picture if you guys Google search it. Uh, the Madonna with Saint uh, Giovannino. It's spelled G-I-O-V-A-N-N-I-N-O. Uh, 
it's you it's definitely what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we're we're talking like this this was a picture of Mary and there's a man and his dog staring up at a disc like object. And if you look at the object, it looks like a UFO, which is crazy because this is a Bible. Like this is Bible times. So it's kind of like even, you know, back in the Native Americans would draw like Bigfoot on their pictures and stuff like that. It's like, you can't really refute this kind of stuff. This stuff was drawn years ago. So that's crazy. That's just, that's so crazy to me. Um, a sighting even crops up in the Bible in the book of Ezekiel. Um, this is either compelling evidence or humanity has a rich tradition of conspiracy theorists, which what would people back in Bible times, what would they need to be conspiracy theorists over? Well, I just think a lot of things, uh, you know, that, that could have been interpreted as one thing back in this time, back during the time that the Bible was written back in these centuries that to them could have been seen as something totally different, but may have very well actually been evidence of, of, uh, communications with intelligent, uh, alien life forms, or maybe even witnessing UFOs. And what was mentioned in the Bible was Ezekiel's, you know, if many know Ezekiel's vision of the wheeled chariot, which, uh, many, many, many of the, many ancient alien, ancient alien, uh, theorists have speculated is is proof that what Ezekiel was actually witnessing was uh, more than likely a spaceship or a space shuttle. Uh, Eric von Daniken, which is probably the most famous uh, ancient alien theorist, he wrote an amazing book back in the 70s called Chariots of the Gods. Uh, anybody that's ever been deeply interested in alien technology, especially when it's uh, comes to things like ancient alien theories that, uh, like I mentioned about, uh, these ancient Aztec regions, uh, Egypt, uh, different things like that. Um, anybody that's read chariots of the gods deems right back to things like this, uh, about Ezekiel's vision that it very well, this divine chariot could have very well been a spaceship. Um, there's even been reason to believe, I've heard a lot of ancient alien theories as far as biblical notations of things like the, uh, of angels, of physical depictions of angels could be, now again, this goes back to that theory I mentioned of alien life forms looking just like it, looking just like us. What if in times in the Bible that uh, a, uh, angel angels were mentioned that they could have very well been aliens from another planet. Uh, the warning of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, uh, visions, uh, prophecies from angels could have very well been aliens that had been visiting our planet, that had been witnessing our planet, had been studying our planet, had uh, uh, they they had uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They had access to technology that at that time we didn't. And they saw things that we couldn't. So what they thought was some heavenly depiction of an angel coming from God could have very well just been an alien from another planet. But they were like, uh, yeah, we'll go along with the angel thing. Yeah, we're, we're angels. We're angels. Yeah, angels. 
totally not aliens. <laughs> well, my friend had a good point to, you know, totally for it to be aliens. vice versa, where aliens are actually angels. Well, yeah, I mean, who's which, to say? Which was actually, at first, I was like, no, what? And he's like, no, give me a minute to explain. And I'm like, explain. So he said, and of course, you know, this is all based on a belief of, you know, you just, you you can't take anything at word because you don't know. Well, but, like, like I was saying before, this is not going, you know, like I was talking about before. If people want to believe in whatever they want to believe in, this is not taking away anything, how anybody was brought up, whether you are a Christian or whatever. You know, we're just saying, these. we're just, we're just stating what has been theorized out there by credible scientists. But again, it's a theory. I actually nobody knows really. If this is true. Nobody knows if this is factual, and whatever you want to believe in is your own belief system. We're not trying to change that or judge that in any way. I actually really like this theory too, to be honest with you. So he told me that he thinks when Satan, when the when Lucifer, um, basically went against God and God cast him into hell, and he took demons with him. He thinks that there were angels that weren't on either side. So basically, like, angels that were kind of like, eh, we don't really want to follow God, but eh, we don't really want to follow Satan. We just kind of want to go our own way and kind of do our own thing. So he said, basically, the angels went rogue. And he's like, because they didn't stay with God or Satan, they had nowhere to go. So they just went somewhere in God's creation. And that's where they live, and that's why they're more intelligent, and that's why they are so smart and want to learn. And the reason that, and I was like, okay, so how do you explain abductions? And he goes, because they want to learn about God's creation because they never got a chance to. And I was like, you drive a hard theory, sir. <laughs> I was like, that was very well thought through. I said, did you come up with that yourself? And he goes, I actually did. And I was like, I like it. I like it. So regardless of what we know, I mean, honestly, like, they exist. But what form do they exist in? Where are they from? What do they do? Kind of things, you know, like the why questions more than anything. But I, li I liked his theory a lot. No, I, I, I don't believe in his theory. And that's only because I have a different belief system, but I uh, do like the theory. I, I do like it. I do think it makes sense given what he was brought up to believe in that he could theorize that. I think that's perfectly plausible. Um, so yeah, I do like it. I just, I don't myself believe in it. But that's why I wanted to preface by saying before we get into a lot of these, because I knew a lot of this stuff was going to get brought up and talking about uh, aliens, especially when it got into alien theories, um, that a lot of this biblical stuff was going to get brought up. So I really didn't want this to step on a lot of people's toes, because uh, even Casper and I have different religious beliefs. Um, she's a Christian. I'm not. I, I don't believe in the same type of Christianity she does, but I don't judge her and she doesn't judge me and nobody should judge anybody. So that's why we're just saying that uh, these theories do come from somewhere. And I do think they're really good to explore, though, 
because they they can give credence to other theories and and even maybe lead to possible evidence of finding something within these theories that's actually true. So I think it's good to keep every single one of them in mind, no matter what you believe in. One more thing that I wanted to read on this article before we move on to um, an actual abduction. Um, was it the astronauts' claims? Because this this was crazy to me. Oh, I um, love! I absolutely love these. I love these because I've I've heard about I've heard about so many of these throughout the years, and who who would know better than somebody that's actually been up in space? You know what I'm saying? So they've seen some shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> they were like, we have seen, we have seen. <laughs> if you're going to believe any reports of UFOs, you should actually trust those coming from the men who have been to space, which mm-hmm, is what we just said, sure. um, who also come with all their teeth and a PhD. That was in there, and I needed to add that, because that's great. A list, The list of those who have made claims of sightings include Edgar Mitchell, Katie Coleman... I think that's Katie, because that's spelled C-A-D-Y, like Katie from... Mean Girls, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to call you Caddy. That's how I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm going to call you Caddy. Um, <laughs> Coleman and Dr. Brian O'Leary, many also referencing government knowledge of alien existence and cover-ups. Buzz Aldrin, Buzz Lightyear, has also spoken of his <laughs> own experience on board the Apollo when they saw something flying alongside them. This this was the part, when I read this, I was like, What? <laughs> It right? said it at <laughs> first they thought it was the final stage of the detached rocket until mission control confirmed to them it was 6000 miles away. So what in the hell what in the hell was flying next to them? Well, uh another thing that uh it wasn't damn it. I don't think it was Buzz it wasn't Buzz Aldrin. I don't know if it was Buzz Aldrin or who else? This is terrible. Like, who else was on the Apollo 11 mission with him? Uh, oh, honey, it's, it's been a minute uh, since I've read that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it was Michael Collins, Neil Armstrong, and Buzz Aldrin. Uh, Neil Armstrong. So not only did Buzz Al- has Buzz Aldrin mentioned uh, that story, and uh, Neil Armstrong actually has mentioned when they were actually on the moon that he saw evidence of alien crafts on the dark side of the moon. But there was actually alien crafts and some type of base where they were landing on the moon. The dark side of so he saw the moon! That when they were on there. Like, dude, that is so fucked up. So he saw alien bases and then Buzz Aldrin saw... saw so what if something was taking off from that base that Neil Armstrong saw, and then Buzz Aldrin saw it taking off from the base, riding alongside them as they were landing back to Earth. Like, that's fucked up. No. Right? That's a big, that's a big, hell no, No. Sir. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna Houston, say no. That's a big hell no. That's a big hell no. Uh, Houston, we don't have a problem. We, we, there is a problem. Like an alien. Houston, we got a hell no. We need to get we need to get out as soon as possible. Cause they're like, hell no. To the no no. 
that's amazing. So, we're going to talk about probably the most famous UFO incident that happened. Um, wow, this article is actually extremely recent, too. This article was from December of last year. Um, and it's about Travis Walton, a man who was abducted years ago and hasn't changed his story one bit since it happened. And there was a movie made about it, which was Fire in the Sky. And if you guys haven't seen it, you need to watch it. It's fucking terrifying. Um, cause like I wouldn't watching fourth kind, like I watched it with my roommate last night. She'd never seen it before. And there was a couple parts where she's like, that was rude. But she's like, I'm not scared because she knew it wasn't real. But she's like, if I would have thought this was real, I would have, it probably would have scared the shit out of me. And I'm like, exactly. I'm like, coming from my mind, who had no idea that this movie was fake. <laughs> and then seeing it, I was like, oh, Lord, they coming. <laughs> right. Because, like, they coming for me. And then I watched, um... Dark Skies, which is actually another fantastic alien movie. Um, but Fire in the Sky was the one that... The fourth kind scared me more only because I thought it was real. But Fire in the Sky scared me too because it was. Like, they actually made it pretty true to the real story from what I can remember. I don't really remember any discrepancies much about it. But it's also been a minute since I've seen it. Um, but when Travis was Walton... When Travis was Walton, what? Right. When <laughs> when Travis Walton was 22 years old, he was working on a logging contract in central Arizona in the Apache Sitgraves National Forest. While driving home one evening, he and his co-workers came across a hovering dish, disc, fish, disc-shaped object that drew him closer to get a better... I'm done. <laughs> You're like, I can't read anymore. <laughs> to get a better look. What ensued became known as the Travis Walton UFO incident. He jumped out of his truck, approached the flying object against the will of his colleagues, and when he got within close proximity, he was struck with a jolt of energy that hurled him 20 feet through the air, knocking him unconscious and scaring off his friends. Which you have to remember, too, his friends are witnessing this. Walton allegedly woke up laying on a gurney in what he thought was a hospital emergency room. His chest was heavy and his vision blurry. He struggled to gather his bearings to figure out where he was, but when he focused on the line of sight, he found a trio of extraterrestrials wearing orange surgical gowns staring at him with luminous brown eyes the size of quarters. Now, y'all listen. I think eyes the size of quarters is a whole hell of a lot scarier than giant ass eyes because I'm like picturing giant foreheads with itty bitty eyes. <laughs> And I'm like, oh. Fucked up anime character. Right? <laughs> like, are you good? Oh my god. Um, so he disappeared for nearly a week before he turned up in Snowflake, Arizona, traumatized and bewildered by the train of, chain of events he experienced. He was also nude. Just an FYI. Mm -hmm. um, this incident is one of the most famous cases in the... How do you say that word? Is it annals? Oh, sorry, I was trying to find it. Uh, it's not famous cases in that and the annals, the annals of UFOlogy and abduction. Okay, because I was like, I know that in annals. 
(laughs) (laughs) The story is also one of the more highly contentious cases in a realm that had its fair share of attention seekers and frauds. After he returned, he and the six co-workers who supposedly witnessed his abduction submitted to a battery of psychiatric and polygraph tests, many of which they voluntarily subjected themselves to. Walton himself has taken 16 different lie detector tests, including one on the popular Fox game called The Moment of Truth. I actually remember that. After being asked a series of questions regarding his life and UFO experience, he was blatantly asked if he was abducted by aliens on November 5th, 1975. He responded yes. After a dramatic pause, the game show's effeminate android voice responded the answer is false, claiming his response was a lie. Well, of course they're going to do that on TV. The game show's polygraph methods were highly dubious and have since been called out as having almost no legitimacy. The goal of the show was to set up contestants to expose major life secrets, disgracing them in front of friends and family, because, you know, that's great. This inevitably leads to a biased atmosphere with expected outcomes, so there's no way one could look at the results of this reality TV show as having any objective credibility. Walton said he initially turned down the show's offer to have him on as a contestant, but conceded that he had recently been laid off from his job and was in need of money. For the past 43 years, he's continued to tell his story without discrepancies in his memory and the details he claims. The other crew members with him that night have all maintained their side of the story and even refused $10,000 bribes to contradict the official narrative. You got some good friends there, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, even one of the guys uh, hated him. They didn't get along at all, and he actually refused at first to take a lie detector test and then finally did. Uh, his came back inconclusive, but then when he took two other ones, uh, subsequently after that, they came out true. So, uh, nobody's story has changed. Everybody's story has remained the same. Every single one of them have passed lie detector tests. Um, I'm not going to believe anything that comes from a reality show. Every other right. lie detector test that Travis Walton took, even one that was taken immediately after he was given an FBI lie detector test not long after the abduction happened uh shortly after a today show interview that he gave back in i think 94 or 95 maybe even 96 and that he passed i mean i'm I'm gonna believe an fbi profiler more than i'm gonna believe some stupid ass reality show so i hope that doesn't give any credibility at all because this guy i mean 43 years you you, who keeps a fucking lie amongst (laughs) five other people for 43 Well the thing years the thing is too is that for that long yeah exactly the same for that long you are going yeah. you're going to slip up if you if you're oh, lying for that long something is going you're going to remember something differently or you know something's going to be not you're going to remember something differently you're going to forget part of your lie so you're going to say it differently and he has not one word has changed nothing Um, so even the test administered to his crew determined that, yes, they did see some kind of object that they believe to be a UFO. Um, he points to this as the best hard evidence supporting his case, saying that, uh, the odds of five men fooling a polygraph test on the same subject are a million to one. And only one member of the group didn't pass, but his text was marked inconclusive. That's the guy I mentioned that didn't get along with. Right. Yeah. So, did you did you want to talk about the movie? Yeah, I could do that. Um, so, I distinctly remember seeing this movie when it came out in 93. Uh, I was about nine years old. 
I was just born. Dude, this movie (laughs) fucked me up so bad. We were talking about it before it started. You know, you mentioned the fourth kind, which scared the shit out of me, too, because, you know, there have been alien abduction reports in Alaska, but the movie itself is fictional. When I saw this movie, especially being a nine-year-old and then finding out later that it was true, I was so fucking scared. He was on the Today Show in 94. I was about 10 by then, not long after the movie came out. And they're interviewing him, and he's pointing out, you know, obviously parts of the movie were fictionalized, but he's pointing out key scenes that he's saying, yep, that happened, yep, that happened. Even the scene, just the scene in itself, I mean, the scenes of the actual alien uh, experiments done to him on the ship are horrifying in itself, but just the scene of him being abducted is so fucking scary. And then having him tell it in his own words that that actually happened. I I mean, as a 10-year-old, I'm horrified. I had nightmares for almost every night for a week thinking aliens were going to come get me i was like they just come fucking get you for no reason like you know this guy was a they they were they were logging they had a logging contract this is something he had been doing for years he was working alongside his uh uh, uh brother-in-law or soon to be brother-in-law and it's kind of like the movie the strangers like why are you yep. doing this because you were home like for no fucking stuff <laughs> to happen that happens for no reason, and then you find out it's true. It's, nope. It's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Um. So when it gets into the movie, uh, Walton has stated that in recent years he's wondered if he may have been killed that night when he was struck by the UFO's bolt of energy. He says he believes it's possible he was unintentionally shocked by energy that was the result of the craft's propulsion system. Realizing he had been killed. The extraterrestrial entities may have brought him aboard the craft to resuscitate him. That's pretty interesting. That is interesting. To think about that, right, yeah, if they would have the technology to do that. Walton continues to speak about his experience to this day, making appearances at UFO conventions while taking interviews from a multitude of skeptics and believers. His story became one of the classic abduction stories after the movie Fire in the Sky was produced in 1993, recounting his experience in Hollywood's overly dramatized way. By the way, the movie is available on Hulu. I just looked up. (gasps) Yes! I actually don't have that movie on DVD, so I'm like, sweet. I know I don't either. (laughs) That is one I need to find because it it needs to happen. I need to own that movie. (laughs) Uh, Though the movie varies slightly from Walton's story, it was critically acclaimed and has remained a cult classic among sci-fi fans. Following the movie's success, Walton appeared on major cable network news programs, including Larry King. There's even a brand that named themselves a band, rather, that names themselves the Travis Waltons, as well as others that have paid tribute to him. Um, so, one of Walton's biggest detractors is a man by the name of Philip Class. He's an investigative journalist and UFO researcher who erred on the side of skepticism, to put it mildly. Class stated that he didn't make very many friends. Friends in the field of UFO. You got some friends. He ain't got no friends. <laughs> no friends. He believes in UFO. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I messed you. I messed you up. I was like friends. <laughs> well, no, it sucked because I got locked up right before I fucking said it, and I'm like, oh my god, my throat. I'm about to either cough, choke, or one or the other. She got that corona. <laughs> <laughs> she got that corona. Um, oh, hell no. Uh, though his skepticism was welcomed by those who believed he contributed to a, a more objective viewpoint on the phenomenon. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenon. No, by now we can't say that word on this, on this program. Do, 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 uh, do. Another famous UFOologist by the name of James Mosley was one such advocate of classes work 
though he said he didn't always approve of his style and the way he attacked believers. Class and his last will and testament left a curse on the field of UFOlogy. <laughs> oh, he left a curse. And I quote, to UFOlogists who publicly criticize me or who even think unkind thoughts about me in private, I do hereby leave and bequeath the UFO curse. No matter how long you live, you will never know any more about UFOs than you know today. You will never know any more about what UFOs really are or where they come from. You will never know any more about what the U.S. government really knows about UFOs than you know today. As you lie on your own deathbed, you will be mystified about UFOs as you are today, and you will remember this curse, unquote. It sounds like somebody's a little salty. (laughs) You sound like a real bitter asshole. (laughs) Somebody is salty. He's probably like a real dickhead. Sounds like one. Got no friends. Ain't got, um, got no friends. I gotta look this guy up. He's a total <laughs> asshole. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Kind of look like an asshole. Oh, wait a minute. Let me. Let me. Uh, just, I want to see saying. him. Philip Class. His little beady glasses. Kind of looks like an asshole. Just saying. Oh, he's a dick. <laughs> I mean, come on. He died back in 2005. Sorry, no disrespect. Uh, but, I mean, that's kind of a dickhead thing to say. <laughs> curse people? <laughs> Who puts a curse on people just because they talked bad about them? Probably. I was going to say, um, uh, well, actually, <laughs> actually. <laughs> probably Trump. Trump probably puts a curse on people. It's all bad. <laughs> he don't even know how to do it, so. <laughs> he'll, he'll pay some. Um. So it comes as no surprise that Class didn't believe Walton's story, and he subsequently pointed out that some questionable aspects of the narrative. Class said Walton did not pass an initial polygraph test, nor did the men who allegedly witnessed the event. According to Class, the first polygraph test Walton cited as having passed was not actually his first, but his second. Class said that he had hard evidence that Walton had received a polygraph test from an examiner named John McCarthy, an expert trained at the Army's Fort Gordon Polygraph School. McCarthy determined that Walton was attempting to perpetuate a hoax and that he'd used tactics such as holding his breath to fool the machine. (laughs) However, McCarthy said that this test was paid for and that the results published in a report for the National Enquirer, one of the most notoriously untrustworthy tabloid publications there is, and it's ironic that such a dubious publication would be cited as hard evidence. In a heated debate on Larry King Live between Class Walton and Mike Rogers, one of the men allegedly witnessed, uh, who allegedly witnessed Walton's abduction. So Mike Rogers is one of the main characters in the movie Fire in the Sky. He is the one that I mentioned that later um, uh, tra- uh, Travis married his sister, I believe. So they end up being brother-in-laws. Uh, Class attacked the validity of the men's stories. Upon Rogers accused Class of being a government disinformation agent. Class clearly upset began swearing at Rogers, saying, I've caught you in numerous lies and you know it. Class's MO included ad hominem attacks, so at home, so in your hometown, he would attack you, smear campaigns and frantic outbursts distracting from the case against Walton and Rogers. While a healthy amount of skepticism is always necessary when examining unbelievable cases, it remains to, it helps to remain calm, composed when giving an objective, level-headed view. Don't fucking curse people. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Class is no longer here to defend himself. He did die in 2005. Though his curse does live on. And meanwhile, Walton continues to defend and recount his story at infinitum. So, uh, and I think Travis Walton should continue to... Uh, defend his story um 
you know, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of a, a interview that I saw back when we did the, the Warren, um, episode. I watched an interview where this man, I don't remember exactly what family it was, but this man literally basically went head to head with Ed, um, calling them liars and basically doing exactly what class was doing to Walton. Um, and he was like, well, this and this and this and this. And Ed is like, you can believe what you want to believe, but I was there and I know what happened. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of this right now. Like people can believe what they want to believe, but he knows what happened. He was there. Well, I also think there's certain types of people that try to get a rise out of people to determine if they're lying or not. And I think Philip Class sounds exactly like that guy that was trying to do that to Warren. I think it came down to trying to discredit them by trying to personally attack them and coming at them in a way that they thought that maybe would incite them to be violent or attack and use that you know, further use something to discredit them. So I think a lot of people that do that are just trying to find a way to push your buttons. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. I think, that's the way, yeah. I think that's all that came down to was just trying to push their buttons, just try to find another way of trying to point out that they're lying. Because you know, when, you, when, you're t- when you're telling the truth and someone comes at you and says you're lying, you know that makes you mad. I mean, that's just, it, it just does. Oh, it does, especially in a case like this where you know you went through this and how many more times over 40 years can you prove that, that you went through this? I mean, what what more did it, what more could someone ask of you than what they've already done? So I, uh, excuse me, I totally get it. I totally get getting to a point where you've just explained yourself till you're blue in the face and you're just ready to go the fuck off. So you're <laughs> just done. like, I'm just so tired of this. Like, I'm done. I'm done talking about this. I'm sick of this. Like, if someone so, came at me after so many years of doing that, I would have just been like, you know what? You believe what you want. Because, honest to God, I am tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting people. Because, like, even if someone comes to me and says they don't believe me for the paranormal experiences I've had. Or the demonic experiences I've had. I'm like, I don't care. Believe what you want. I was there. I experienced it. And it fucking sucked. (laughs) Well, that's why I tell people, you know, even if, again, even if you're a non-believer of aliens or paranormal uh, experiences or activities or ghosts or whatever, at least be able to agree upon the fact that some things are just completely unexplained, that some things are just completely out of our uh, realm of explanation, and just accept it for that. And uh, a a lot of things are. And um, I think if there's one thing that a lot of people can't argue is that fact. Right. Uh, You know, if if you didn't experience it yourself, then don't discount someone else's experience, especially... Uh, especially in someone like Travis Walton's case where he actually had witnesses and, and everybody's story corroborates everybody else's story and has over a number of years, including the lie detector test. And, you know, and I should also say that depending on who's administering the lie detector test, lie detector tests are a very tricky thing because they can't, you know, they are inadmissible in court. So it's, it's kind of a, a back and forth thing with whether or not, you know, lie detector tests are, are credible or not. And, and I hold, and this is just my opinion, I hold true that they work better when they're administered by someone that's credible. And like I said, he's had FBI profilers uh, give him 
lie detector test. So maybe the first initial one that was done by somebody from the fucking National Enquirer, obviously, I wouldn't <laughs> believe that shit. But the one that was done by an FBI profiler that he passed, yeah, I believe that. On a story that hasn't changed in 40 years, I mean, come on. With five other people, like you said, it'd be a one in a million shot that they would all be lying this fucking long. I mean, it's, yeah, that's ridiculous. So we should share one of our own UFO alien stories. I mean, I only have a UFO story. I don't have an alien story. But Right. I, I do you remember? Or fortunately, don't have an alien story. Do you remember, though, like, was that, like, late last year? Like, fall or something like that? Those lights in the sky? Like, that was last year that that happened. Yeah. You saw, yeah. It was, like, over Westchester. Because I remember, like, it, I saw it on Facebook, on um, the news. Someone from the news had posted it. And I was I like, excuse me? That. And then I looked it up, and there was a guy that had taken a video of four lights in the sky. I didn't see them, but one of my friends had actually seen them. She didn't get it on a video or anything, but she was like, I saw them, and I didn't think any... She's like, I thought it was weird, but I didn't, like, stop to think, what is that? And I was like, yeah, it looked like the it looked a little bit like the Phoenix lights. I'm like, it was weird. And, oh lord, they coming. <laughs> fuck that, dude. They checked out yeah, Westchester and was like, nah, fuck this and left. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They're like, nah, man. We don't want to be here. Nah, we good. We out. <laughs> But anyway, I just I just wanted to know if you remembered if you remember that happening. No, I definitely remember that. Yeah, I like and like you said, I didn't see it myself, but I definitely remember that. So, what is your alien story or UFO story? Oh, uh, mine happened earlier this year, coming back from uh, visiting family. I was with my dad, and uh, he didn't see it. He was driving. I was in the passenger seat, and uh, it was a completely clear day. Uh, bright sky, sun shining, um, not a cloud, like not a one, not anywhere in the sky to be seen. And really, really, really far off in the distance, I saw a shiny, metallic, uh, thin, disc-shaped craft, uh, definitely unidentified uh, flying object in the sky. Um, that definitely was not a plane because planes don't hover. Um, definitely was not a helicopter. Definitely was not any known uh, aircraft that I've ever seen. Definitely wasn't a droid. It was way too fucking big. Um, it just, you know, I've seen so many different aircrafts. I've driven past, like we mentioned before, right past Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and I've seen F 15s and jets, and, you know, I've seen them. I know what they look like. This was not anything I've ever seen before that I could ever even think would, even, even on TV, I just, I, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things like, oh, well, that's clearly a plane, whether or not it's a bomber, it's a jet, it's a military spy plane, what the fuck ever, you've either seen it in the person or seen pictures of it, you know what different types of planes look like, right? We all do. We all do. It was not a plane. It was a disc. It was metallic. It was shiny. Uh, it was hovering. And it just seemed to sort of hover in one spot before it almost knew I was looking at her or something. And it just took off. I mean, 
like shot off. Obviously, didn't make a sound. So <laughs> Did away. it go? I mean, <laughs> that's like that's the only sound I could think of to describe of how fast this thing shot off like a rocket, like as quickly as I saw it hovering, not moving far in the sky like that. It just shot off into the stratosphere, back to home home base or where the fuck that <laughs> came from, but. That was the craziest. I, I, I'd never seen anything like that before. You know, my brother years ago described seeing a UFO one night. It was, um, he said he saw one years ago above a gas station late at night. Uh, he said he saw a bunch of lights. Um, he said it was actually not disc shaped. It was more of a box shaped and it had lights all around it, uh, uh he said it almost looked like a flying elevator. It was so crazy. That is so uh, weird. And, like... uh, no, I mean, I distinctly remember him describing this to me. Uh, I wish he was here to tell it himself, but I remember exactly. He said it was late above a gas station. I know where this gas station is. It's a very well-known area. It was very dark. And these lights, it was a box shape. He said it literally, he said the best way he could describe it, like a flying lit up elevator that hovered and it just took off it, it was so crazy so many people saw it they were like what the fuck is that you know it, it just yeah so not only have i seen something identified so is my brother I, i'm telling you it just it, like i said even if you don't think it's aliens clearly both of those instances were something that was completely unexplained so so mine uh last year i was on my way to work and this is when I still worked somewhere where when I got up in the mornings to go to work, it was dark. So the sky, it, it was like driving at night, basically. Um, I was on the highway and I look up and I see, you know what a star looks like in the sky? Um, that's what it looked like. It was a star and it was just sitting there and I was like, oh, okay, that's a star. But then it shot straight to the right. Like, it moved, and I was like, oh, okay, it's a shooting star, but I was like, then I realized it's not fading out. It's just, it just moved to the right, went up, like, a 90-degree angle went up, then 90-degree left, then diagonal back down, hovered for a minute, and then shot off. I never saw a shape. I never saw anything like that, but it was just a light in the sky. It was so weird, and I was like, I'm pretty just, I'm pretty sure I just fucking saw a UFO. I mean, it was, it was a UFO, because it was flying, and I didn't know what it was. <clears throat> so I'm saying, if you don't, <laughs> I mean, to hear something like that, it's like, what the fuck? I mean, it very well could have been, it couldn't have been a drone because of where, I couldn't have seen it. A drone doesn't have a light that bright, and... It was not, I mean, it was dark. So it was, it was definitely very, very weird. And then to see those lights, uh, that someone took right above pretty much where I live is insane. That freaked well, me out. And again, like I mentioned, you know, like you said, like, you know what a star looks like. We've seen stars in the sky. You've seen pictures. You know what planes like that look like, whether, whatever type of plane it is, you've seen one either in a picture or in the sky 
you know, you, you clearly, when something, when you can see something in the sky and explain it, that's one thing. But when you see something in the sky and you clearly can't explain it, like I said, even if you, even if people don't want to say it's alien, clearly it's unidentified. It's definitely not anything anybody has ever seen before, let alone can explain. So, and, uh, it's pretty safe to say that that's happened to both of us for sure. <laughs> Bo, like, Bo come on. show. I know what the fuck I saw. And you definitely know what you saw, especially when it's lights like that. Like that's, that was always one of those things that like, I never thought I would see one in, in bright daylight, let alone see one at night. And I just remember my brother telling me that story and then you telling me your story and you're seeing these lights and you're like, where in the fuck are these lights coming from? <laughs> Like, it's, it's literally when you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's literally all you can really say, because you don't... Like, what the, what the fuck? What the fuck is it? No, I, no explanation. <laughs> well, I think that just about wraps up aliens. This was awesome. I, I loved doing a podcast about this. This is really interesting. I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Um... That was a lot of information to cover, but we... We condensed it as best as we could. (laughs) Yeah, I thought we did a great job. Um, You know, obviously, there's a lot of information out there about, you know, we didn't get into every little minute detail, but I think we we covered a lot. Um, You know, like we said, if you guys are unfamiliar with anything about Bob Lazar in Area 51, definitely watch that Netflix special and the joe rogan interview um fire in the sky is on hulu i would definitely watch that and research some more about travis walton um, <clears throat> god <clears throat> sorry fourth kind for sure definitely people should watch uh what's another um there's another phoenix uh, pop- forgotten is no, actually for sure one of those movies that people don't really talk about that much but it's found footage and it's insane it's really Remember good. I told you about that? I found that on Redbox. I literally found that on Redbox randomly and watched <clears> it last year. And it turned into one of my favorite alien abduction movies. And I told you about it. And what I loved about it so much is that it is based in truth uh, when it comes to the sighting of the Phoenix lights. Right. The lights over Phoenix, Arizona that people saw some years back that even the uh, mayor of Phoenix at that time corroborated that he admitted that they were unidentified and that he believed that they they were uh, could have been extraterrestrial so um also i would really urge people to listen to or watch a mile higher podcast i know i've mentioned them before but they've done some great episodes early episodes about aliens um alien technology and they even did a more recent one about uh crop circles which i know we didn't get into and um I fucking love anything to do with crop circles. Signs. That's something else that is so fucking freaky and even more evidence to prove um, aliens. Yeah, it was actually, it's Mile Higher podcast episode 108. It's called the Crop Circle Phenomenon. So that one's great. Um, they are on YouTube and anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts on any platform. But um that might give you guys some more information too, but I hope everybody enjoyed this. It was, it was fun. It was fun researching it. And I want to watch a bunch of alien movies now. <laughs> I know I watched the fourth kind last night and I'm like, I want to watch dark skies. I want to watch fire in the sky. I want to watch Phoenix yeah. forgotten. I want to watch skinwalker ranch, which by the way is another really good one. 
Oh yeah. Um, That's Skinwalker Ranch Skinwalker settles. Ranch is amazing. The movie is very more alien geared. Um, yeah. But they do focus on the fact that there's a bunch of stuff going on at Skinwalker Ranch, but it is more focused on the alien aspect of Skinwalker Ranch. So, <clears throat> well, real quickly, when we talked about Skinwalker Ranch, you know, we mentioned which I give uh, a lot of belief in, a lot of plausible belief in, is that there are a lot of wormholes that are at Skinwalker Ranch, and. Uh, there's a theory um, called the Stargate theory based on uh, alien life forms coming or being able to travel rather through wormholes rather than uh, spaceships because light years are so far to travel that they've actually been able to find technology through Stargates, through wormholes that they've been able to travel through that that are created in one way or another um that if you guys go back and listen to our skinwalker episode we mentioned a little bit about this um a great movie stargate a great show that was on stargate sg1 uh that's uh, t- uh got me really interested early on in ancient aliens and alien theories and different things like that but they lead to the they talk a lot about mention the stargate theory a lot so that's something that's all throughout Skinwalker Ranch, I believe. I think everything that's seen there, whether it's Skinwalkers, I think Skinwalkers are interdimensional beings, and I think that aliens that are traveling through that area are traveling through there through uh, wormholes. Um, that is amazing. Anything about Skinwalker Ranch, whether you're into Skinwalkers, aliens, whatever, is, is <laughs> if you're into cryptids. Awesome if you're into cryptids. Dude, yeah, that's like Cryptid 101 around there, man. Just anything you want to know about cryptids, fucking wolfhounds, Bigfoot, skinwalkers, aliens, UFOs, Skinwalker Ranch. They got it covered. It sounds <laughs> like a fun park covered. to go visit. Let's go. Exactly. <laughs> no stone unturned. So next week is our haunted location episode, which um, is really cool because I'm going to let Becky talk about it because she's been there. Uh, yeah, guys, I am so excited to do this. Um, it's the legend of Amy and Linda Dyer and Lick Road. Uh, Lick Road is a road off of a major road uh, here in Ohio in Cincinnati. And uh, the road has had a lot of legends in and around the area for namely the last 20 or 30 years. And they are all surrounded around this legend of Amy and a young girl that was murdered. Um, But the story and the legend actually tie into a real life unsolved murder in Cincinnati, which is really scary in itself. Um, I have driven on the road. I did not have any experiences. Hubby was not sticking around long enough to find, as, as many of you know that I have mentioned, he is not into paranormal shit. So <laughs> he was brave enough to drive me down there to get a few pictures. And he's like, uh-uh, let's get the fuck out of here. We're not calling Amy, Linda, or anything else on this fucking road. <laughs> Linda. Linda, Linda, listen. Listen, like, no, we not it for Linda or anybody else. So... Um, I didn't have any experiences. Um, I would like to go back at some point um, very carefully because it is a private road. So, of course, we will mention that extensively on the podcast. If anybody lives in the area, be careful traipsing around there because your ass might get arrested. And we don't need that with the corona going around. 
anywhere else. Well, you're so supposed to be staying home right now anyway, so don't be going out to no road. I mean, even yeah, though there's like nobody to just there, but stay fuck home. <laughs> <laughs> stay don't home so we can go out and do stuff. Roads. Yeah, don't go to haunted roads. Period. But definitely don't be going to haunted roads right now. Your ass needs to stay the fuck home. <laughs> stay home. You'll be giving them ghost corona. Them ghosts don't need right, it. Right, don't give them ghost corona. Damn. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's corona? been a confirmed case of a ghost having corona, but you know. <laughs> don't be giving ghost, ghost corona, guys, okay? No coast corona. No. No coast for corona. <laughs> God. I love it. All right, guys. So a word from our sponsor. Calm your buddy down. That was my that was my whiny version. Like my my um my emo band. Emo. <laughs> or actually the Jonas Brothers. The Jonas Brothers did that too. I just watched a video with Sophie Turner and when you said that voice, I was like, oh my god, the fucking show is from. Or I could do, I could do Nick, kill me uh, a booty down. <laughs> no. Nick Jonas. That was really good. Oh god. We watched the South Park episode yesterday and whoever did the voices of them was so fucking spot on. I was like, oh my god, they sound just like that, especially Nick. Whoever did Nick's voice on the South Park episode, brav. Oh, well, Nick's easy sure. to do because he's he's he goes like this. Oh, it was the whole <laughs> time, the whole singing voice. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And how fucking accurate that is. That's exactly that whiny, nasally. Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you, sir. Whoever did that, great job. Um, guys, right now with the DFWTO code, uh, the don't fuck with the original code, everything has gone from thirty to fifty percent off. Um. You know, times are tough. We're trying to help everybody out as best as we can. Um, and we're still offering the free cream, body cream with every purchase. Um, everybody. Oh, my God. I've been hearing it all over the place of how people are really getting sick and tired of uh, how dry their hands are with having to constantly wash them. Um Hand sanitizer will dry your hands out horribly. So this body cream is amazing. It's all natural. It's made with all natural ingredients. So I highly recommend everybody taking advantage of the sale because you will get a free body cream with every purchase. Um, and you can keep it in your car. You can keep it on you. You can keep it in your house. It's it's great if you have dry skin. And right now, dry skin is running rampant because we're all doing our part. Um and washing our hands, as everybody should be, but make sure you're moisturizing, too. So uh, hop on the Etsy site. Uh, just go to Etsy.com. Search Calm Your Body Down. That easy. Super simple. And order up. Um, I'll still be going to the post offices to send out orders. So, uh, like I said, 50% off with the DFWTO coupon code. And there's still free shipping available. Um, and new products will be coming the end of this month. As mentioned, keep checking back on the um, Instagram page because I've posted many times at the end of this month, there will be a new lemonade bath bomb and there will be lavender body scrub available. So there's going to be the new, new two new products this year that are going to be released the end of this month. And they will also be a part of the 50% off sale, including the free broccoli uh, cream. Jesus Christ. Broccoli so cream. Free, free body cream. You want some broccoli um, cream? Yes. No. Oh, God. Is it cruel? <laughs> 
Uh, so That's nasty. Unscented, uh, <laughs> vanilla scented, peppermint scented. The peppermint scented is great on your feet, by the way. Oh my god, it's so amazing. This is ass, um, you guys. All we've done is make her face smell like a foot. <laughs> Every time, don't use the. I mean, if you want your face to smell like peppermints, uh, I mean, if you want your feet and your face to smell like peppermints, then by all means, yes. You know. But Janice Ian will make fun of you. Just saying. Your mom's but, chest uh, hair. <laughs> <laughs> so I was playing. Um, it's one of the greatest movies. I was ever, playing but, a um, game. I'm done with my promo. <laughs> Oh, no, no, you're fine. I was just explaining. Like, I was playing a game Saturday night, and I started playing with a random girl online, and she did not know a reference when I said fetch. She, yeah. di she no. didn't know, and I said mean girls, and she said, what's mean girls? And I was like, what's what? No. I'm like, no. you are a 32-year-old woman, and you don't know what mean girls is? I'm sad for you. Like, I'm actually sad. I'm so sad for her. Like, my 50-year-old, my, my 50, my almost 60-year-old mother knows what Mean Girls is. Look, my <laughs> husband that would never in his life be caught dead watching a movie like that is in his 40s, and he fucking loves Mean Girls. Like, <laughs> I remember the first time we said how to watch it, he's like, Lindsay Lohan is in this. I'm like, will you just watch it please like that was like basically his first words like you're gonna make me watch something with Lindsay lohan and i said well you just stop and watch the fucking movie yeah. and by the end of it he was laughing hysterically it's and he's in love with <laughs> tina fey so that won him over because tina fey was you gotta love tina fey well tina fey but, and amy poehler um, helped write it which right, to begin which with was that. yeah and and he i think anybody that's had any type of high school experience at any point loved that movie. And, you know, obviously it was unrealistic, but there were parts of it that were, we all had bullies. We all had shitty people. We all dealt with shit like that in high school, even <laughs> out of high school. <laughs> right. It just was so funny. And it's one of those movies that's such a classic when it comes to one liners. And I, I love classic movies. Yes. With one liners. Yes. And that's that's at the top of my fucking list. That's so. why I love Bridesmaids so much because Bridesmaids was like the adult version of Mean Girls to me. Like my one line <coughs> go-tos are Bridesmaids. Uh, I am dying. Uh, no, you're you're fine. Bridesmaids, uh, Mean Girls, The Big Lebowski, and Napoleon Dynamite. Step Brothers is a good one too. I hated Step Brothers. Oh. I know, I know, I get so much shit, God almighty, the shit I get for hating Step Brothers, because I love John C. Riley and I love Will Ferrell, and I love everything else they've done. I just didn't care for really that one, huh? did not like Step Brothers. Oh, I know, I, I just, it just wasn't my cup of tea, but I, oh my God, trust me, the endless amount of shit I get for, oh, I'm mean, so funny, it's got this and <laughs> Okay, yeah, I know, I know, I saw it, I saw I've seen it twice, I tried to watch it again. Still didn't like it. Because it, it wasn't, you know how people like watch something one time, like, I'll never watch that. Look, unless it's a complete and total bag of shit, I'll at least give it one more shot. And I did. I tried right. to watch it again. I tried to give it open mind. I didn't like it. So I, if other people like it, Mazel Tov. Love you. Most of it, the time, if I watch a movie and I didn't like it and I watch it again, usually I do. But it's because 
the first time I watch it, I watch it in a wrong... It, it's mostly horror movies, because I watch it in a it, wrong perspective. Exactly. And then when I go back and rewatch... Yeah. Mother, Mother is probably one of the best examples of that, because when I saw that movie the first time, I was like, what in the fuck? Oh my I don't God, even that know. Movie, <laughs> that is a movie you need to know what the movie's about before you watch it. Yes. I, I, you just you just have to. You have to know what the movie's about before you watch it, because otherwise you're not gonna like it. I, I, I it's just, it's one of those rare rare movies that the only way you can truly appreciate it and really really love it is you have to know. That it's about the fucking Bible, because otherwise, yeah, if you're you're just no fucking the movie makes no goddamn <laughs> sense because it's so strange visually, and there's so much going on when the movie gets climactic that you're like, what in the flying fuck? <laughs> the movie literally, if I would have watched it not knowing, I would have every second of the movie, I would have gone, what in the fuck? And by the ending of it, I would have been angry. That's that's what happened what to was. that's what happened to Kenzie. She was like, I didn't like that. And at first, I was like, I didn't either. And then Annie, bless Annie's soul, Annie right. was like, Did you not catch any of that? And I was and like, I Catch was any of what? And she goes, the, the entire movie was a biblical allegory. And I was like, What? <laughs> I was right. like so shocked because she goes, the end of the she goes, it was actually very heavily ca- Catholic. She's like, there was a, so much Catholicism in that movie. Oh, and... it was, oh my God, it was just, it ran, that's what I'm saying. It, it was one of the rare movies, which I, I don't know if I've ever seen one since, that if you had to know what it was about yeah. before you watched it, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you're going to walk out of the theater like me, who was like, what yeah. in the fuck did I just see? I wasn't mad, I was confused. Oh, I was I like, like Mackenzie and been like, I'd have been mad. I'd have been <laughs> confused and then I would have been angry. But anyway, so finish your promo. <laughs> Ten minutes oh, no, later. I was totally done. That was just perfect. <laughs> and watch Mean Girls. There you go. <laughs> and, watch, and watch Mean Girls and watch Mother because they're two very similar right. movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they're exactly yeah. the same. Exactly. Um, so if you would like to give us a follow on our social media, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All that don't fuck with the original. Make sure to spell it out perfectly or you will not find us. <clears throat> if you would like to give us a follow and know when we put out new episodes, please give us a follow or subscribe to us on Spodbean, CastBox, Podcast Player, Podcast Addicts, uh, and CastBox. Yes. I was like, what? I forgot. <laughs> um, if you would like to say hey or just send us an email, say what's up, please... Email us at dfwto8811-8493. And I think that's it. Yeah, um, guys, we are... Oh, real quick, what were we going to say? Oh, yeah, you told me we were almost 200 We are 199 away from 2,000 followers on Podbean. Podbean. Yep, so subscribe to us on Podbean. What? Thank you to everybody out there. You guys are awesome. What is happening? What is happening? I really wish we could see Spotify follows, because I feel like Spotify is heavily, he- more heavily used than anything else, really. Come on, Spotify. Apparently you can do it, but it's like, oh. I, like, researched into it a little bit, and I was like, oh my god, I don't want to go through this. <laughs> uh, you know what? <laughs> just, just in the way you said that, yeah, we're just going to trust that we have a lot of followers on Spotify. So go follow us on Spotify, too. Because, <laughs> like, people who are musicians, 
and stuff can see all that. Yes. But um, you have to go sure. through a whole rigmarole of like, I think you have to actually go through Spotify instead so of like going through Podbean to do it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've heard that too. And that's just a lot. So we're not doing that. Nope. <laughs> okay, guys, well, have a great week. Stay home. Enjoy your quarantine. Split up this episode into two days. <laughs> so you have longer. It's like when Steps. Netflix gives you a full season and you're like, I'm going to finish this today. <laughs> so you have stuffs to listen to. Some stuffs and things. Okay, guys. Bye.